Hi, everyone. Before we get started, I've got some news for you. On Saturday, September the 16th, I'm going to be appearing live at the London Podcast Festival at King's Cross in London at 7pm. And my special guest that I'm going to be chatting to is... Ben Elton, my friend. And if you want to get tickets, you go to the website kingsplace.co.uk and search for Tea with Twiggy. Please come and see us. It'll be fun. Hello, everyone. I hope you're all well. Oh, have I got a wonderful guest for you today. She's such an amazing actress. She's one of our great Shakespearean actors and amazing television work. Oh, she's done everything. She's absolutely brilliant. And she's a really lovely lady. And she's a dame as well. And her name is Harriet Walter. Harriet, hello. Hi, this Chris. is so exciting. <laughs> I can't believe I tortured you into doing this. <laughs> it didn't take much, Twiggy. It didn't take much. How are you? I'm very well. You look very well. I can't, where are you? Are you in London? Are you I'm in W12. Or? Oh, you're in the, up, the, up road. In the rain, up road. Up road, yeah. Poor old Wimbledon. Been oh, washed I, out. I'd forgotten. I was just thinking... Oh. I was just thinking how how wet I was getting running to be here on time. Oh, <laughs> uh, Lewis is really. Thank you for doing this. Thank you. Thank, thank I know you, you for were, having me. You, you were a bit concerned at first, but we 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 chatted you up. <laughs> you succeeded. Oh, uh, Lee sends his love. Great. Because I, um, I I should explain to everyone listening that um, you and Lee, my husband did a wonderful Harold Pinter play called Old Times, right? That's right. Never forget uh, with, it. With the gorgeous Julie Christie yeah. in the West End. That was something. So Lee sends his love, as I said. Fantastic. Did you enjoy doing that? Was It an ama- It was an amazing uh, piece for the audience. You know, I loved it. I loved doing it. Um, but I was furious when I first got offered it because I was at my mother's and I decided I'd become an acting machine and I needed to break and to have a bit of real life. And and it was the summer and I thought, you know, I'm going to go away on an adventure and I'm going to write something. And I'm, you know, I'm sick of just one job after the other, aren't I lucky? And I was in my mother's kitchen and my agent rang me up and said, will you do this play that goes into the West End on the something of August, you know, in lovely weather? And I literally threw something across the kitchen. <laughs> oh, no, no. But well, they and it. all the audience were very happy you did. You I were loved brilliant. It. Oh, well, you all three were brilliant. I loved it in the end. And your husband was a right laugh. Yeah, he's, he's all right. He, he is funny. <laughs> People think he's very serious if, until they know him. Do they? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he's not, is he? He's, he's always got he's, a smile. I know he's 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 a giggler, giggler. He always made me laugh because you. I don't know whether you remember this because it was at Wyndham's, right in the West yeah. End, and there's that alleyway at the side. Yep. That kind of backs onto the stage, 
And he 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 remembers that you. I, he said, "I'm sure it was Harriet's line. You had a line in a very quiet moment, saying something like, it's so quiet here, or it's so peaceful here.' And the, and a mariachi band were in the alleyway, and he, he said, you dear, I did it my way.' Do you remember that? I will never forget because there's that passageway all around the back of of Wyndham's, which is a wonderful alley full of life and buzz. And particularly, as I say, this was the middle of the summer, the last time on earth when you want to be in a West End play. And of course, the long summer evenings and everyone was out on the streets and (laughs) there were all those pinter silences. I mean, they were crucial to the play, you know, living and breathing and thinking. And um, there was always a musical accompaniment. That's so funny. I love it. I absolutely love it. Now, you were born in London, right? That's right. Where? In I was born in St. John's Wood, but we lived in Kensington all my life until um, oh, okay. I was about 20. Yeah. Went to school there and everything and um, went to boarding school, all that caper. Whereabouts <laughs> did you go to go boarding? I went to a place near Salisbury in Wiltshire called Cranbourne Chase, which no no longer exists. It sounds like a sort of girl's adventure book, doesn't it? But it's very Enid Blyton. It was very Enid Blyton, and it was an adventure, and it was the best thing that could have happened to me because my family life was all a bit rocky at the time. My parents were splitting up. My sister had oh. left school, and it was great for me to get out and be amongst completely different people of my own age group and in lovely countryside. And and they were also very biased towards the arts, which suited me terribly well. And yeah, it was a life-changing place, really. And was it there that you got involved in drama? And did you know you wanted to be an actress? I wanted to be an actress from about age nine. But oh, for really? all the wrong reasons, I, ju- I just wanted to. <laughs> yeah. I, I'd fallen in love with Hayley Mills. You know, that, that you're the same age as me and roughly. And that was the sort of, and I thought, you mean a girl my age could be so important that people put the camera on her for two hours? You know, it was something to do with that. And also just escapism and sort of getting out of your own environment and pretending to be somebody else. It appealed from a very early age. And, you know, most people have a bit of that as kids and then they grow out of it, but I never yeah. grew out of it. And did they encourage that at Cranbourne Chase? I mean, did they have a drama department and... Well, it was the days before you actually did drama as a serious subject for O or A level. You know, it wasn't it wasn't considered a serious subject. It was a sort of hobby. But our head teacher did really enthuse about all things theatrical, all things musical, and she spotted something in me. Although I was pretty shy to begin with, believe it or not, Twiggy. <laughs> I was a shy kid. Well, I can believe that. <laughs> Listen, I was in. I was so shy. Really? Yeah. God, it I must mean, have been you know, traumatic but, for you suddenly being in well, front of cameras bit, all the time. But, you know, as a kid, I wouldn't go anywhere without my mum. I wouldn't. I've got pictures in our family albums of my sisters at Tap Class and at the Brownies. None of me because mum would take me and I'd just run out with her. Well, we have <laughs> that say. in common. We yeah. had a we had a, a school matinee that used to take place. And, and I remember sort of my mother putting lipstick on me and the smell of a grease paint and just shrinking inside and hating it. And I, I was the last one of our family to, to decide to do it, you know. 
So, you know, I'm paradoxical, really, because in the end, yeah. I'm the one who did it. Well, me too. But don't you, I mean, I've met lots of people in our profession who are very, very shy. It doesn't uh, always yeah. mean you're an extrovert and you're, I mean, often you go to a party and the one who stands up after a few drinks and sings is usually not a performer. That's oh, right. There, there's Here's your hubs. my hubby <laughs> with, guess what, a cup of tea. Oh, funny you should mm-hmm. say that. Hi. <laughs> what are you Thank drinking? You. I'm drinking Earl Grey. Earl Grey with a drop of milk. Oh, um, I've got um, pepper, peppermint. Oh, that's better for you. And I've got a, a comment that, that my American agent made when I was in a tiny few scenes with Maggie Smith in Downton Abbey having a <laughs> cup of tea. And my American agent quipped, it was dames at tea. Do you remember that thing, dames at sea? Well, dames here we at are, sea. Twiggy and me, we're dames at tea. We're dames at tea, that's right. You got your damehood in 2011? 11. Yeah. yeah. And who gave it to you? The Now King. Yeah, I got the Now King. Yeah, too. yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was great. That was great. Um, Were you yes. nervous? Um, I was because I was late. We got caught. It was raining like today. And uh-huh. I get very twitchy when I get late. But what was great was that, so we were the last but one group of people to arrive. And it was my sister and my brother, my late brother-in-law and Guy, my husband. And we showed up and, you know, at the end, they give you a video of your, you know, they yeah. say, where were your friends sitting? And then they yeah. sort of give you a specialized right. video, which is rather <laughs> great. Well, it was so funny because they were walking around Buckingham Palace as they owned the place because there was nobody else there. They weren't in a crowd because they were so late. So it oh, looked so like they funny. absolutely owned it. And, they was, and there was all this sort of rather grand music accompanying them. It was very funny. <laughs> But did you, were you surprised? Because when I I got my letter, I had no idea. Did you know? Did well, they? Did I you get phone know. calls? I didn't know, but I I I got. Did you? I got a CBE. Did you have something else? No, like a, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't. I I get nothing. Oh, except Lord. this letter. <laughs> well, that must have come out of the blue for you. Oh God! Well, when it came through and what it says on the front, because it's all very official. Lee said, "Oh my God!" He said, "We." I know we paid out. It's, it looks like it might be for tax. You know, we paid all our taxes. I opened it. And I, I went, oh, my God, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. And, and kind of sat down. And he thought something terrible had happened. But I was in such shock. That's because amazing. Because it completely came out of the blue. It was so weird. Yeah. For me, so was, you got a CBE first or an I OBE? I got a CBE about 10 years ago before that and I remember sort of talking to Eileen Atkins who'd by then become a dame and she said oh you'll be a dame next so although I put that aside it wasn't completely out of the blue like it was for you like for me absolutely isn't that weird yeah very odd well you certainly deserve it you you, I mean looking at your CV I mean I know a lot of the things you've done but you've done so much. I mean, you've never stopped, have you? I I've mean, never stopped. It's unbelievable. And I, 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 mostly, I mean, there's nothing I really sit there going, oh, that was a mistake and wrong turning. I should never have done that. Of course, there are a few jobs I feel that about. But I was never sort of absolutely all about the career thing, do you know. And probably if I had been more, um, I would have done a few things differently. 
but I don't regret a minute of, of, you know, I did a lot of theater, for instance, which doesn't make you famous, doesn't earn you no. money. But um, no. in the end, it's paid off because yeah. I think people sort of appreciate the fact that you'll work with a group of people, you know, the, the stuff I've done on screen, like Succession or, I don't know, stuff that I've, is very much a sort of ensemble stuff where you've got to kind of get on with everybody and 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 know your place in the best possible way and that comes from a lifetime being in theatre so but also it isn't I mean I've I've done very little I've done a few bits and pieces in the theatre but Lee always says you know it's the best training ground for any actor I mean in when Lee started but he's that he's a little bit older than us. It was still the repertory system, which he said was fantastic because there were theatres all around the country. And he went from drama school into rep, and he said it was such good training because you were doing a different play every week, a different character. I mean, did, did was because you're that much younger than him. But I did. I caught the tail end of. I got a talk. I caught the tail end of that. It was still going on for a bit. And my peer group at drama school, pretty much most of us went into some form or other of rep. Mm-hmm. Um, only two people sort of went straight into telly, you know. Nowadays, I mean, I really wish that would come back because there's yeah. an idea in some people's head that, you know, it, you come out of drama school and you know it all. You don't. It's just the first yeah. step, you yeah. know, and and the rest of your life is learning. And uh, in the nicest possible way. I don't mean, oh, toiling, but I mean, you know, every part you play teaches you something new. So, yeah, I went in for two years. I was in a, a, a company in Lancaster in the north of England. Um, I didn't have a car. I didn't have any money. So I stayed there, you know, That's literally right. for two years. I came back at Christmas for, for family holiday, but I, I stayed there. I lived there for two years. And every two months, every month you did a different play. And, you know, some of it was pantomime, some of it was Shakespeare, some of it was modern, some of it was, you know, everything. And it's a continuation. In fact, it's the, you know, if you think of a doctor, you know, medical student goes and learns a whole lot of theory. And, and mm. then at some point, they're, they're part of, still part of their training before they're qualified. They have to actually go into a hospital and start cutting people up. You know? <laughs> well, it's the same thing with acting. You've got to go out in front of an audience before you can say you're, you've got right. it. Do you know? So which, which drama school did you go to? I went to Lambda. Oh, you went the to London? London Academy of Music and Dramatic Art. Yeah. yeah, I think it's the oldest drama school actually. I think Is it older than Rada? I think so because it's oh, it started oh, as a music that. music training to begin with, and then adapted wow. to. Yeah, yeah, and it was great when I was there, and it's been through ups and downs. I think it's going to be great again. Yeah, because they 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 used to be um, when we were in Kensington. It used to be up the road from us, and then they moved to. Um, as you're going out of London over the Hammersmith flyover, they moved to that big expanse there. I was at the place. I was up the road from you. I was in that building always on the corner. Well, they were there for years. Yeah, yeah. And we we wasted so much time walking to rehearsal rooms, you know, that were scattered (laughs) all over Earl's Court. They decided we'd better get bigger premises. um, Oh, I see. Yeah, they moved into Tulgarth Road. They moved into the old building that had been the Royal Ballet School. That's right. And and my big crush is Rudolf Nureyev, so I was sort of going in there smelling the air and going, this is where mm. Rudolf took off his, you know, leg warmers or... <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so I presume you saw him dance. I saw him dance once. And it was breathtaking, wasn't it? I saw him a few times, quite a few times, and I've bored people with the story of how I finally got to meet him. Oh, did you? Oh, go on, bore me, bore um, me, bore me. Oh, bore you. <laughs> okay, so um, I was doing a play in Paris, and, you know, he lived in Paris a lot of the last years of his life, and it was a Russian play directed by a Russian director. So a lot of emigre Russians living in Paris came to see it. And one night they said, Rudolf Nureyev's watching. And we had these little slits in the curtains and I peered out. <laughs> I was practically missing my entrance because I was just gawping. And the company manager said, well, if you're nuts on Rudolf Nureyev, listen, I mean, I manage his show in London. You can come and come and see it. So I, uh, sort of three months later, I rang her up and said, I'm taking you up on that. Is that still on offer? And she said, yes, but you'll have to watch from the wings because there aren't any seats. Wow. And I'll check it with him whether you can watch from the wings. So <laughs> she came back to me. She said, if you wear black and you turn up at about quarter past seven, I'll show you to the stage and then you'll just be a little mouse and you won't, you know, because I've reminded, you know, he, she identified that I was the girl in the play he'd seen and all that. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I wasn't just someone off the street. And um, <laughs> some, nut, and some nutty some fan. Nut <laughs> well, I was a nutty fan, but <laughs> anyway. So I showed up in my black and I was taken to the, the prompt corner. And as I was slowly walking towards the prompt corner, I saw on stage through the sort of scenery, vaguely, I saw somebody practicing at a bar rail that had been put on the stage. And I said, is that him? And she said, yes. And I tiptoed mm. past and I got to the, to the prompt corner. She said, I'll just tell him you're here. And I thought, no, don't. I mean, let me hide. And she came back saying he wants to meet you. Wow! And I had my handbag in my—I had my handbag and my bag. That's right, in my, in my arms. And I just remember dropping them on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> just you know, everything went weak. Dropped everything, and then followed her onto the stage and had a very disappointingly banal conversation with him. Because I don't know if you've ever met—I know you've met your heroes, but I just couldn't think of anything interesting to say. And I was tongue tied and I thought, where do I begin? I can't say I've loved you all my life. You know? <laughs> um, so I just sort of went, answered his questions, went, yes, yes. You know, it was terribly boring. And then I went into the wings and sort of my heart fluttered for the next two hours while I watched wow. him. And then he'd come off from doing a scene, come off and have a chat with me <laughs> and then go back on the stage and That's this went amazing. on. I could not believe it. And I was Well that was that was better than getting a seat. Much better. And I was sort of in tears because I was thinking of my young self of eleven to fourteen around those ages when I had his pictures up all around my wall and stuff. And I was sort of talking to her and saying, Don't worry, you actually get to meet him in the end. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, it was an amazing thing. That's lovely. Yeah. Oh, it's lovely when you you do meet your hero. I met my I met Fred Astaire, who was my hero, and he was so gorgeous. I can't tell you. Well, Fred Astaire was Rudolph's hero. Fred Astaire was Rudolph. Oh, was Nureyev's he? Hero. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. He said nobody nobody danced like Fred Astaire, and he was put together so beautifully. And you know, he admired that's him hugely. That's really fascinating, isn't it? But well, he did. He his although he did tap, his movements were almost balletic. Well, I mean they were brilliant. 
But there they was had that, that kind in of... common that they actually express themselves through their body, really, in that exactly. way. Exactly. Amazing. Well, I'm glad you got to meet him. I didn't, but I did think he was absolutely extraordinary. We saw him in Los Angeles, actually, funnily enough. I just yeah. couldn't believe that somebody danced like that <laughs> and could leap like that. I mean, he was, yeah. apart from being so absolutely beautiful, wasn't he? Yeah, um, I think it was. I think what was interesting was that um, I think you know because I I then sort of rather disappointed my mother because my mother and grandmother loved ballet, and I did it as a kid, you know, a little bit. But um, I think I rather disappointed them because I didn't then thereafter go to every ballet that was on at the Royal. I was at Royal Opera. I was really only interested in Rudy. <laughs> You know, so uh, and it wasn't just because he was he was beautiful, but I think you know when you ask about where the acting bug came from, I did recognise in him that he was a great actor mm. and that he used his whole body to express something, and and he used the music, he expressed the music through his body and all that sort of thing. So I wasn't terribly interested in the technical stuff. It was lit. It was his. It was his connection with the music that got me. I think. Well, that's what makes somebody like him the star. I mean, because most pe- people in ballet and opera are very, very talented, but then there's the few that come out as the stars, and, and it's for reasons like you just said about that. It's that extra something. Yeah, there's a lot yeah. that can do the technical, but it's have it was having. It's almost like having the magic dust, isn't it? <laughs> I think that's right because people did say he wasn't technically perfect, and I don't care. In fact, oh, I like really? seeing imp- I like seeing imperfection. It, it's more interesting. It's more human. And I was just fascinated by his story of being born on a railway train in nearly in Siberia, and wow. looking at the and as growing up by the railroad track and looking up the track and re- realizing there was a world that that train was going to. Amazing. That one day he wanted to go to, you know, that, his story is so remarkable. So when did you join? You were at the RSC for a long time, weren't you? And didn't you become, are, are you still an associate? I know you, you were made an, does, is that for life? I think so until I do something terrible, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to ring him up and tell him. (laughs) (laughs) I got, I slid in. I was quite old when I went. I was quite old. I I got sort of 10 years for free because nobody really, I did a lot of stuff on the fringe and as I say in repertory. um, Mm -hmm. And I was 28, 29 before I did my first telly and 28, 20, uh, I was 29 when I played my first Shakespeare play. So, oh, really? Um, and so everybody, because I looked a lot younger, I think people all thought I was 10 years younger and I got sort of 10 years extra <laughs> acting, which was great because then, so I went into the RSC through through the back door, really, through Nicholas Nickleby. Such Well, it's such a famous production as well, isn't it? It was fabulous. And uh, it was sort of jokingly, somebody called it the RDC, the Royal, Royal Dickens Company, because um, that was sort of that had made more resonance at the time than anything else. So I, <laughs> I got through to Shakespeare via Dickens. <laughs> but um, oh. yeah, that was great. And I got in and then Trevor Nunn really was the big the big, the big instrument that changed my life in that way, because he saw me playing 
third mod cap, mob cap on the left in Nicholas Nickleby and sort of saw <laughs> saw something in me and started throwing lead parts in Shakespeare at me, which was pretty amazing. Wow. Yeah. I was going to ask you that because I, I try and ask most people, there's always, there's usually somebody in everyone's life that makes that difference to taking you into the next level or giving you the 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 courage to try something that you thought you my, mine was probably Ken Russell. Yes. So yours probably would yours be Trevor Nunn? Well, at that the Shakespeare door opened with him, but I was already yes. thirty by then. So I think there's been a his, there was there was someone at drama school. I tried for five different drama schools. I was failed every time. I came You're back. You're joking? Yeah, yeah. I can't believe that. Yeah, I was just so as I say, I was sort of shy, and I suppose they thought oh. I was sort of immature. I, I I didn't know how to present myself. And I think, you know, there was one person called Frank Whitten, who's now not, no longer with us, sadly. He was the vice principal of, Rod, of Lambda. And he saw something in me, even though I was hiding behind a little shy mask, he saw something in me, took, took a punt on me. And then Bill Gaskill, who, who was oh, yeah. a genius director, also sort of just had a chat with me in an interview and took a punt on me and said, I'm, despite everything, I've got nothing to go on, but I think she's got something. And they were the people who sort of changed, because Bill put me in a show that then lots of people came to see, including um, some of the RSC directors, you know, and Peter Hall, and people came to see that show, and Richard Eyre. Um, and so suddenly that, that but, but Bill was the one who spotted that thing. So okay. although the others took me further, um, I thank him for actually sort of taking a bet. Well, I think we all need that that person in in our lives, don't don't we? Really, absolutely. I try and be that for other people as well. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. If somebody like that that you admire and 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 you love has that faith in you, it does give you courage, doesn't it? It changes your life. It changes your perception of yourself. And that gap between, oh, I'd love to be, I'd love to be, and suddenly I'm being allowed to try to be. Yeah, that's a huge gap that everyone has to bridge at, at some point in their youth, don't they, between between longing for something and actually having the chance to get out and do it. And, you know, and it does take somebody else having faith in you to do that. There's no other way you can do it. I just wonder with you, Twix, whether did you – did you did you where did you think modeling was going to go was it was it sort of like models say well you you know grab your chances while you're young and then you know have another life later or do you think there's a sort of career path for a model that you thought you might go on or did you not think about any of it I I think I didn't think about it I was I was quite you know we're going back to the 60s now and we're I I think I'm I think I'm a year older than you so we're the same same generation absolutely Uh, yeah Absolutely. And, you know, there was no social media. There was none of that. So, I, you know, I mean, number one, I didn't think I could be a model because <laughs> girls who came from, you know, working class, ordinary families, it wasn't really an option. So when that happened, that was the biggest surprise. And then, you know, it was it, I was having so much fun and tra- it was brilliant. I, I hadn't really thought. I think when you're – well, when I was that young, 17, 18 – I didn't really think beyond the next few months and what I was doing. I didn't really have a career path. And and it was only when I met Ken and he decided to take a punt on me. 
And I actually thought, because when he came up with the, because I'd been to see a production of The Boyfriend on stage. It was it was the first one they'd done for years. This would have been in about 1967, 68, 68. And we had dinner the next night and I was like, oh, I've seen this play and it's brilliant and oh, I loved it and the music and I loved it, blah, blah, blah. And, and Ken loved his champagne, bless him. And he had <laughs> lots of champagne and he said, and he, you know, at that time he was the biggest director in, film director in England sure. and he said oh, I've got a great idea I'll direct it and you can play Polly Brown and I thought oh yeah he's had too much to drink <laughs> that's amazing but, but god bless him you know he went for it the studio were very worried understandably equity wouldn't give me a card so oh. Ken picketed them <laughs> oh I didn't got know me that a card. so you know I have it a lot to thank him for well, but, but it was just interesting because because I met him. First of all, I got a fan letter from him. Did you? <laughs> I was doing Aww. I was doing something at the royal court, and I got a letter at the stage door, and it was all sort of smutty and smudgy. And on the back, it said Russell, <laughs> la 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 la, whatever the address was. And I was working with Jonathan Price. He was playing Hamlet, and I was playing Ophelia. And Jonathan brought the letter in and said, "That's a, that's not really from Ken Russell. That's a con. You know, no, that's just somebody <laughs> pretending to be Ken Russell." And he was really mean. And I thought, "Why shouldn't I believe it? It's Ken Russell." Anyway, um, I'm pretty sure it is him because somebody else who knew him. Oh, I know Christopher Logue was in the show, and he said, "Oh yeah, that's Ken's writing." And um, he'd seen me in a telly, and he presumed because he'd never seen me, that I was sort of someone off the street, really, you know, because he loved the idea of people who weren't actors, didn't he? He liked, yeah. he, lo he loved putting people, you know, regular people on screen. Well, like, and, and people like me who'd never done it before. Exactly. I think he was suspicious of actors that we were sort of going to get in the way and <laughs> do a lot of acting. I don't think he realised that I was actually 29 and had been acting quite a long time. But, um, no, he, he didn't offer me a job, but when we met again, we were doing something, some charity thing. And I said, oh, hi, yeah, you sent me a lovely letter. And he said, yeah, I've not forgotten and la, la, la. And, and then he started going on about how he didn't believe in actors and he wanted to put real people on stage. And it was some, I mean, real, real people in inverted commas into films. And he was about to do something with, uh, it was doing a D.H. Lawrence thing, The Rainbow. Do you remember that? Oh, anyway, yeah. And he cast someone who wasn't an actress and he was getting all excited about her. And of course I was slightly biting my tongue going, what's wrong with trained actors? You know? <laughs> <laughs> but he was That's great. so sweet. No, he was very eccentric. And, but he was, I mean, as Ken said once, you know, he said people either love me or hate me, <laughs> which yeah, was really. true actually. Yeah. And they either loved his films or hated them. I loved them. You know? I loved them. I loved a lot, most of them. Yeah. I mean, to me, Women in Love is one of the great films. Absolutely. Oh, blessed Glenda, yes. Yeah, God bless her. Well, she was in The Boyfriend for one day. <laughs> Did she play that sort of slight Harridan who, who should, should yeah, be who going breaks, on? Uh, she, she breaks yeah. her leg. It's slightly, it's slightly that the Sigourney Weaver. There's a Sigourney Weaver girl, isn't there, sort of a, yeah. with the same story with Melanie... Griffiths takes so Griffiths, what is that? Yeah. anyway that and it's actually the line Ken took it I think it's from 42nd Street where she comes in and she's got a broken ankle and she comes in to me who's the understudy and says you know just go out there and be so great you'll make me hate you <laughs> nice one nice one 
I was so nervous because, oh, God, yeah. you know, she was this major actress. I was, but she was lovely. She was wonderful. She was only there for a day, bless her. But I was like, oh my God. I know. God, but you see, I'm trying you. to put myself in your shoes at being the same age, give or take half an hour. Don't let's worry. Um, and, you know, I was at boarding school and you were already famous, Do you know, and you were, and we were all, I was wearing those, I had my hair cut at the Ginger Group and I was wearing mini skirts and clothes from Bieber and I, you know, and I, you were the person we were all trying to look like in a way. And then cut to, you know, you're thrown in the deep end at the age I was when I was, as I said, too shy to get a part at drama school, you know, so you had to go, you had to leap over that gap where you don't quite feel grown up enough <laughs> and suddenly become somebody who, who who's out there in the public that 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 is extraordinary i mean i'm still not used to being very you know spotted in the streets at my age but i can't imagine what it would have been like at your age Hi everyone, I hope you're all well. I'm really excited because I am going to be doing my first live show <laughs> as part of the London Podcast Festival in King's Cross, London on Saturday the 16th of September at 7pm. And I have the most wonderful special guest who's going to join me and have a chat and have tea with me. And that is the wonderful, the hilarious, the divine Ben Elton. So if you'd like to come and join us and join in the fun, please go to kingsplace.co.uk and type in Tea with Twiggy to book your tickets. See you there. Bye. Well, I, I would think since Succession, which I really want to talk to you about, I should think everyone stops you in the street, <laughs> don't they? <laughs> they do now, yeah. Yeah. Oh, so God. Tell me last. about it. Was, was it fun to do? Oh, no. You've, I mean, <laughs> you've done many things. But I think that, that has been so huge, hasn't it? Yeah, and in I mean, America, it's, yeah. it's unbelievable. But, you know, even when we say huge, of course, because of social media and streaming and catch up and all those things, you do get huge numbers seeing something. But at the time when it actually goes out, far fewer people actually watch something than in the old days when there were only four channels on TV yeah. and half yeah. the nation was watching something. Um, so, you know, when people say, oh, everybody's what you know, apparently it's 600,000 UK watchers on the last episode, you know. That's not that many. Uh, then it's yeah, but they will out. stream it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah no, it was great it. to do. It was it was lovely, but you know, it was very strange because you're part punter, part participant. You know, I'm I'm watching it like a member of the public, and then suddenly, why am I in there? Do you know, this person who looks very familiar walks on the screen. I go, hey, that's me. What's she doing there? You know, because I've got absorbed in it like everybody else. And I'm sort of going, oh, how you know, it's kind of weird, that sensation. And it felt a bit like that doing it because I suppose it, it's covered about five, six years of my life on and off because um, I've been a bit in every season, but only a couple of episodes, you know. So I'm not really part of the meat and to veg of the show I'm I'm sort of little sprinkling of salt and pepper you know but I kind of <laughs> because as you say because it's so big you've, you know that that does you know people do notice you but um it it's it's that most of it take you know it's a bit like 
the character I play. She doesn't really have a lot to do with her children's lives and just occasionally drops in. And that's how it feels as an actor, you know, that they're getting on with these extraordinary stories and plots and twists. And then I walk in and throw the cat among the pigeons a bit. (laughs) (laughs) But it's great. It's really great. Well, I think uh, we all loved it anyway. Um, And Killing Eve, that's another amazing one. That was extraordinary because Jodie's so great and so Sandra Oh. I mean, they were fabulous people to work with. And I just loved the character. She was so anarchic and I could put a completely different side of myself into that or or not even a side of myself just this complete I suddenly became possessed <laughs> by this weird woman. <laughs> <laughs> that was great the other thing i wanted to ask you you did um a female trilogy of shakespeare is it was every part played by a woman yeah Yes. And you did the lead, obviously. You yes. did Prospero, right? I did Prospero. I did Prospero. Brutus in Julius Brutus Caesar. Brutus in Julius Caesar. Yeah, and then that. I played the king, Henry IV. And, um, wow. Yeah, I jokingly said I'm the only actor, I think I'm probably the only actor, who's played both the king and the queen of England. <laughs> That's quite a claim there's to a, fame. There's a challenge. Uh, yeah, no, that was great. So we were all women, and the pretext was we were in um, a prison. We were in a women's prison and, the, you know, like I've taken part myself in Shakespeare workshops in prison. And so this group of women had, had sort of worked on these plays and were putting them on. So you, you were playing your you were playing your Shakespeare character, but you were also playing a prisoner playing a Shakespeare character. Um, and that was that was really good fun. And also just it, it was a sort of anything anything goes now sort of feeling. Um it wasn't a gimmick. It was. It was a very serious effort to redress the balance and to mm-hmm. give women a voice because Shakespeare is the greatest, I think, expression of the English language. You know, albeit old-fashioned English language, but it, he's he says about just about everything there is to say about um, you know what it is to be a human being, and also about mm-hmm. politics. I mean, Julius Caesar is up to the minute politically you know so I don't know I thought they were very they felt very contemporary and and then you got these a lot of the women had never done Shakespeare um and I think when we got school kids coming to the show and seeing you know people of all sizes ages and colors doing this material it opened something up for a lot of school kids and and then their teachers would take them back to the class and say let's do something like you know Let's do this ourselves. Let's try things out. And it just it just opens the door for people. They say oh, it doesn't have to all be played by, you know, posh white men. <laughs> <laughs> but I do, I do think the thing about see for me, because we I think we probably touched on some Shakespearean texts at school, but I it never I could never really understand it. But when I went to see Shakespeare on stage, that's when it's started to make sense to me and I I kind of understood it because for me reading it I found really really difficult now you're because you're a, a you know a brilliant Shakespearean actress can you sit and read Shakespeare and enjoy it as much as playing it nah I don't I mean I'm like you at school I really didn't get the bug at school just by reading around the room you know with all of us reading it badly you know I couldn't get the sense of it at all but 
I came to it through doing it, really standing up and doing it. And now there's a lot of emphasis on that in, in all the sort of outreach work that the RSC or the Globe or, you know, various places do a lot of work in the community and in schools and, you know, to get Good. people standing up doing it because it's only when you stand up and do it. And when you sort of, when the words become your words rather than words in a book, I mean, that's the point of learning them is that it's sort of suddenly it's coming out of you rather than from a book. And, um, yeah, then he didn't write them to be read. He wrote them to be performed. And that's, yeah. that's when they work, you know. Now, I know you've been, no you've been nominated so many times and you, you got uh, Olivier Award for the Three Sisters, right? That's right. Was that quite early on? Yeah, it, it was around, it was a bit, I think it was a little bit after the, the old times. No, no, no. It was before old times. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, no, I'm, I always think of myself as usually the bridesmaid and very rarely the bride when it comes to um, prizes. <laughs> I, I, I get nominated quite a lot, but I don't win very often. But The other know. thing we we saw you in, and I think we went out to dinner afterwards, actually, and I presume it was after old times was mary stewart oh, you yes. and janet mcgill yes absolutely I, brilliant it's one of my favorite things i've ever seen on state you wow. two were mesmerizing wow well that's what, a real a rare, rare rare opportunity for two girls to be on stage together in sort of fairly equal roles i mean mary's a bit you know you're sort of pretty much equal and you know we don't get to play with one another very often people don't write scenes for two women very often and mm. I think working with another woman there's something you know there's something different about that and you know that was a very special play and then we took it to New York um, I know well that's like, where we saw it oh right okay so we'd done it in London can you believe four years before it was four years before oh, Janet wow. me and Philida were all free <laughs> we all had different things every time one was free the other got a job so it wasn't until 2009 that we took it to New York, and there I met my husband, Aww. Rita. I married him. Yeah. Um, because, <laughs> oh, that's lovely. So if I hadn't, if we'd been free earlier on, he might not have, been, you know, bloody bloody blah. I might not be being brought tea by him today. I know. Isn't it amazing how little things like that become such major things so, in your life? How did you meet it's Lee? So fun. We'd met ten years before when I was with my first husband and he was with his partner at a John Denver concert, a party afterwards <laughs> and sat at the same table. And we all got on really well. Then 10 years went by. My husband sadly died. I had a daughter of five. Lee had split up with his partner and we re-met through various friends. I thought they were kind of matchmaking, but apparently they weren't. <laughs> and within a ser like a series, I'd just come back from New York after doing the musical that I did there for two years. So I was trying to catch up with all my friends and a lot of them knew Lee. So a couple of dinners I went to, Lee was there because he was single at that time and I was. And oh, I thought, perfect. oh, they're matchmaking. But they weren't actually. They weren't, but it and was perfect. Yeah, it was somebody up there was <laughs> looking yeah, after us. Yeah, <laughs> That was 38 years ago. Gee. I know, it's frightening, isn't it? <laughs> Go goes too far. It does, but it's been packed. 
before we wrap this up, I want to ask you, do you have hobbies? Do you cook? Do you knit? Do you sew? Do you read? Do you I don't cook. Artwork? I don't sew. I'm not at all domesticated. <laughs> I'm not very good with my hands. I, I, I call it a hobby because that is how it has to remain. I play the piano. I I don't play at all well. I couldn't really do it in public, but I love doing it. And so that's one of my hobbies. The other hobby, these have all developed in lockdown, I have to say. The other hobby Mm. that came out of lockdown was Wentworth jigsaw puzzles. Oh, I love jigsaws. Wentworth make these beautiful hand-carved, wood-cut, in funny little shapes and stuff. And look them up online. Come on, Wentworth. Oh, I will, because I do, I do, okay, I do, I do jigsaws. I love them, but I don't think I've done one of those. Go to Wentworth. They oh, are, I will. Wentworth wooden puzzles, they're called, and they're very pricey, but you can hand them on to other people and, you know, yeah. make them spread a bit. And um, so that's a bit of an obsession. Crosswords, oh, yeah, acrostics, <laughs> puzzles of all kinds. Suck oh, me that. too. Oh. Great. We'll have to have a we'll contest. We'll have to have a contest. I, I became upset when I was doing something. I forget what. Oh, I was doing a film with Jonathan Price, and I was obsessed with Trivial Pursuit, and I used to make the whole cast come into my dressing room and play <laughs> Trivial Pursuit. But I'm not very good at competitive stuff. You know, so well, I'm, I'm sure- not, but that I I do love. I yeah, love it. Trivial it's brilliant. Pursuit. It's a great yeah, and it's a I good title. I haven't played it for ages. Yeah. Listen, thank you so. I know you're so busy, and it's so lovely to see. We, we bumped into each other at dinner, didn't we? That's lovely right, Victoria. My very so. old childhood. We go back to childhood. Yeah, yeah. She's that was so lovely, lovely. Quigs, and and I I shall listen in to all your other ones. It's been fabulous. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank. Well, thank yeah. you for joining me. Before I let you run off. Tell me about Ted Lasso because I love it. It's so wonderful. It's I such a sweet idea too. and everyone in it. Isn't it like, it's finished, hasn't it? I know. I'm very sad. That and Succession both finished. But I, 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 I didn't know anything about Ted Lasso. And they suddenly, again, left field. It's lovely when you get these jobs you absolutely had no clue about. So, of course, I binge-watched season one. And, and, I, and I saw Hannah Waddingham and I thought, how can I ever be the mother of that bombshell, you know? But, <laughs> um, but we, we worked it out. I got a wig that sort of really vaguely looked like she got her hair from Brilliant. me. Brilliant. <laughs> no, it was lovely. Oh, I'm glad it was fun. And they, they all looked such a lovely crowd. They couldn't be nicer. And, of course, I met them all because my first bit was at my husband's funeral and they all came. So I met every single member of the cast in one big bash. And they're so sweet. I love them all. Oh, I'm glad. I'm glad it's a happy story. Yeah. Anyway, I'm going to let you run off now. And thank you again. Thanks, Twigs. For joining me. And I'll see you soon. Lots of love. Yeah, lots of love. Bye. Bye. Oh, she's so fabulous, Harriet. She's such a lovely lady and such a brilliant actress. If you ever get a chance to see her live on stage, you are in for a treat. She's amazing. And don't forget, I'm going to be at the London Podcast Festival, Saturday, September the 16th, 7pm, with Ben Elton as my guest. And for tickets, go to kingsplace.co.uk and search for Tea with Twiggy. Please come and join us. It'd be fun. Bye. 
If this is your first time listening to Tea with Twiggy, please do remember to tell your friends. You can also subscribe for free on your podcast app and listen to all my previous guests. If you want to connect with me, I'd love to hear from you. You can find me on Twitter at Twiggy or you can find me on Instagram at Twiggy Lawson. My thanks go to all the people that have helped this podcast happen. Many thanks to James Carroll and all the team at North Bank Talent Management. Thanks to all the team at Stripped Media, including Ben Williams, who edits the show, my producer, Kobe Omanaka, and executive producers, Tom Wally and Dave Corkery. The music you can hear now is my version of Waterloo Sunset by The Kinks. If you'd like to hear the whole song, you can find it and all the other songs I've recorded on iTunes and Spotify. So check it out. I look forward to you joining me for my next episode. So see you then. Bye. You just heard a stripped media production.